process. Ever since I was a small boy, I've been obsessed with movies, books, and music. But as I grow older, I've begun to realize that these things increasingly miss the mark of fulfilling who we are meant to be. But they seem to have a common theme. They point us to a greater story, a greater adventure, a greater love, a greater joy. On this show, we dive into some of our favorite themes in songs, books, and movies so that we can begin the discussion of what our fascination with these stories actually reveal. A desire for something more. A desire for the unknown. A desire for love. A desire for God. Welcome to the adventure. Let's get started. Welcome back to the adventure. Welcome to Christ in Culture. This is Steve. And this is Clint. Thank you guys for joining us for another week. It has been not that long for us. It's been like five minutes. Yeah, not even. Yeah. Um, in fact, I basically stood up, danced around a little bit, sat back down. <laughs> That's how we do it. Behind the scenes, folks. <laughs> um, so, Clint, what have you been in taking media-wise since we last spoke? Since we last spoke, nothing. But... Since last last time I was on air, honestly, I've been taking in a lot of what well, you, you know that I watch like Dungeons and Dragons like videos mm-hmm. a lot. So there was this crossover between two of my favorite groups, mm. and so I've been watching that. And actually, I was listening to the podcast form of it on the way here because it was like over an hour drive to get here. So yeah. listened to one of those. So lot of Dungeons and Dragons. There's been some new D&D books that were released this week, so I've been trying to catch up on all the new fun stuff with that. Good deal. Yeah, I heard this like one is like ridiculous. Which one? The new book come out. So there's two of them. Hmm. One of them is basically just an updated version of the world that I play in. Yes, I knew that. Yep. And then the other one is the world from Magic the Gathering, and they turned it, because it's the same company owns Magic yeah, the yeah, Gathering yeah, yeah. and D&D, so they turned it into a playable world for Dungeons and Dragons. That's kind of crazy, because there's many worlds in the Magic, the Magic Planeswalkers and stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Nuts. That's what it's supposed to be. Um, Maybe it's one of the worlds. Yeah, probably. I don't know. But anyway, that's nuts. No, I thought there was one that had like had like Volo and Xanathar. Or maybe that's one that's coming out. Oh, that was the one that was released about a month ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. You're behind. Sorry. It's all good. I'm not <laughs> as geeky as you, I guess. Yeah, no, that's true. That's totally fine. Most people don't want to be that yeah. geeky. But yeah, so that book's actually not being released until I think September. So the one that you're talking about. Oh, okay. Good deal. It's on pre-order right now. Cool, cool, cool. But anyway. Um, yeah, what have you been taking? Well, as of recording this, not a whole heck of a lot. Um, but by the time you guys listen, I will have probably been checking out a lot of uh, Pints with Aquinas by Matt Frad, the podcast. Nice. Um, because I've, I've heard some of it 
Um, and I liked it. I just haven't had the chance to like get back into it and like really dedicate to it. And so I want to, because I just want to. So yeah, one thing with his like awesome episodes, but it's Thomas Aquinas, so you can't just binge a bunch of mm-hmm. episodes because you actually you actually got to think about it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the point too. Is I just wanted uh, I want to get more into that, just because. I have been talking a little bit about Aquinas recently with Catherine and because she studied St. Thomas mm-hmm. Aquinas. Mm-hmm. And shout out to Catherine. Yeah, shout out to Catherine if you're I don't listening. know if she listens. I don't know. Um, I mentioned that we had a podcast. She just kind of looked at me and I was like, oh, Not impressed. Okay, I guess you don't have to listen to her. <laughs> um, but she studies Aquinas and so sometimes we talk about it. And sometimes I realize that I don't have a master's degree studying Aquinas, so I should... We don't have master's degrees in anything. It's true. Unfortunately. Not yet. Yep. But anyway, so that's the thing. And other than that, <coughs> sorry, I will have just come back from San Antonio. Yeah, San Antonio. Cool um, place. At this point. So, wish me... Pray safe, for me. Safe travels. Yes. Pray for me at this point for to have had safe travels in a fruitful trip yes god's outside of time it works trust me it does so what have you been in taking or media wise i guess Uh, we just had that i just said that yeah um but yes i have watched something else well you know what i just have to say i think if anything this proves that i'm just human and i am no superman (laughs) segue boom (laughs) We were just See what I did there? Before. That yes. was really good. That, that was, was good. awesome. I am so glad I pulled that off. All right. uh, so, yeah, we are going to be talking about a movie that's been out for like five years now, but I just watched last night for the first time. So this movie was requested by Kat from Durango, Colorado. She's one of our listeners. So actually, I met her in Phoenix at, oh, sweet. at a conference, uh, CYMC. For youth ministers, and she's a youth minister in Durango. So we got talking. So she likes our podcast. Uh, she listens. I think we've had a listener from Durango ever since. Oh, well, thanks. Since Kat. that conference, so I'm assuming she's. she's I hope listening. your ministry's doing well. Yeah, for sure. And I made a promise that if I saw you were listening to our podcast, I would do an episode on Man of Steel. So we're going to do Man of Steel right now. So, which is a good movie. Yeah, it it was. So, yeah, okay, people hate on it. I don't get those people. It was a good movie. All right, just throwing that out there. All right, so here's my thing. Kat, if you're listening to this, I have to apologize because when we first met, we were talking about superheroes, and I said that I preferred Marvel as far as movies, except when it comes to TV shows, I really liked The Flash. Right. And she's like, well, how can you say that? Like, what what DC movies have you seen? And I couldn't think of a single one because they always got bashed, and so I just never went and watched them. Mm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so now that I went and watched it, yeah, I feel like a jerk. So, Kat, so I'm sorry. As for somebody, I enjoyed Man of Steel. As somebody who is solidly in the DC camp, I appreciate you, Cat, and we should be friends. And I'm glad that you've come to the light. Clint referencing last, last week's, week's podcast. Episode. Uh nice. But yes, yeah, so I apologize. You were right, I was wrong. 
Please don't yell at me. <laughs> you were very nice and corrected me in a very nice way. Good so, deal. Thank you for that. But we're going to go ahead and start talking about Man of Steel. Sweet. So hopefully you can help me out because I think you know a little bit more about DC than I do. Lore, but, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. So the movie starts out. We are on the fabled city of Krypton. Not city. Planet. Planet. Planet Krypton. Of Krypton. And we see Russell Crowe's character. I love Russell Crowe as an actor. I mm-hmm. think he's great. Gladiator, whatever. Fantastic stuff. Les Mis. Javert. And I'm Javert. It's great. But he plays, if I say the name right, Jorel, right? Jorel, yeah. Jorel. Great. And he is Superman's father. We'll get to the details on that later. But basically, what's happening is. They've figured out that Krypton is basically about to just die because they've run the world to the extent of what they could, and they're basically just destroying it, mm-hmm. right? And so one thing that they realized is that they no longer have natural birth anymore. They only artificially create life, which was kind of surprising to me i didn't know that about the lore yeah it it's not always been I okay i think but i think they've added it i think more recently okay sure i, I um, don't know i'll take your word for it yeah but there's this thing called the codex in the in the movie which turns out to just be this little skull which is supposedly like the skull of like one of their ancient ancestors from millennia ago or whatever and it basically holds all the DNA for future Kryptonians within this skull. And from that, they have what's connected to it, what they call the Genesis Chamber, which I think is kind of ironic. And I think we can play off of that, obviously, with Genesis being kind mm-hmm. of this book of life and creation. Mm-hmm. Probably done on purpose. Right. But obviously, Krypton. Kryptonians wouldn't be familiar with no, they scripture. Have, they so. have their own. But yeah, I, I think that has a, an interesting draw there to life. But basically, Jurel is noticing that this is part of the reason why the world is kind of falling apart. Like, this was the start of it. And he reveals that more as the story goes on. But he realizes that from this artificial creation of life that all kryptonians are kind of corrupted by i guess the sins of of what they've created in that world right am i right in saying that you look kind of confused yeah no 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 keep going i'm listening okay cool so basically he is the head scientist for the entire planet essentially when they are artificially created babies are designed with a certain dna that helps them with whatever task a predetermined task that society has decided they are needed for so they have no choice in who they're going to be or what is going to happen uh the role of the family is kind of just gone because i mean there's not really families in the same way that we would understand anymore uh, biologically it's almost almost like a plato's republic yeah like the communal child raising yeah, and so right away in this 
uh, in this movie, we have him going before the council and he says to them that there is, there's this hope and we don't know what it is at this point, but we did see in the scene before that his wife had just given birth and we find out later that that's the first natural birth in thousands of years, right? So he goes to the council and he says, there is a hope. There is another way to do this where our people don't have to all die forever. Many of us will die, but not everyone. There's a way. And he says this quote, I've held that hope in my hands. And I just want to ask, does that strike anything immediately with you? Yeah, so there's almost this allusion to the nativity. Yeah. And almost like Simeon, like holding Jesus and being like, this is the Messiah, and I know, and my eyes have seen the glory of God, right? No, I I think that's exactly what I I was thinking too. Just this draw to this hope being Mm -hmm. born in unnatural and unforeseen ways. Mm -hmm. But then we immediately learn of this character, General Zod, who's the leader Mm -hmm. of the military. And he wants to preserve everything as it is. And basically it seems like just kind of hope for the best because they're the most powerful planet anywhere. And so basically he's trusting that his people will survive because they are strong. And he basically says that some people just need to be kind of killed off in order for the betterment of the rest of the group so that they can preserve the rest of their planet. And so it's kind of this whole who gets to decide who lives, who dies. Well, it's going to oh, be general Zod. Topics. Right. Yeah. And that's why I consequentialism. Was glad. That's why I was glad that you were part of this. So do you want to say anything on, on that before we bounce into the rest of this? Yeah. So, um, I'm not going to get too much into it because we talked a lot about it in our infinity war yeah. podcast. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's the same idea with, you know, when people would talk about like the death councils or, I mean, we even actually kind of have it a little bit like with Alfie Evans situation that was in England. Um, We have a lot of that here in Texas to where, you know, you can remove, remove life sustaining care if you, if you decide that the um, care is futile, right? But who, but the issue is who gets to decide it's futile. And it's the doctor. Mm-hmm. And there's plenty of cases where it's probably not futile. It's just expensive or Bingo. it's just um, inconvenient. They need the space. Um, and so, you know, or, oh, this person's old. They'll die soon anyway. Like, let's just pull the plug now. Right. But it all um, comes down to who makes the decision. Yep. And that's kind of like my organization fights against is saying, like, this should be the decision of the patient and their family. Mm-hmm. And if it is, it like, and we're not even saying, like, that you can't come together with an ex- ethics committee and say, like, okay, like, look, like, this is something that we need to, but there needs to be oversight on that, and there needs to be an appeal process, and there needs to be defense of the patient. And, and I'm really, really glad you said that, because mm-hmm. later on in the movie, I think this is about halfway through, spoilers here, after he's already on Earth, and he's grown up, and he's starting to figure out who he is. He actually finds basically what is, uh, I think it's like a 20,000-year-old 
ship where Kryptonians had tried to populate Earth before mm-hmm. and failed. And he actually encounters his dad through some science that, like, basically his dad put his memory when he died into this, like, item. It's like a flash drive, mm-hmm. basically. And then he's able to communicate with his father through that. And this is what his dad says. Your mother and I believed that Krypton had lost something precious, the element of choice, chance. What if a child dreamed of becoming something other than what society had intended for him or her? What if a child aspired to do something greater? You are the embodiment of that belief, Cal. You are Krypton's first natural birth in centuries. And so we see that he is this hope figure where he's reestablishing the element of bringing choice back to the child, mm-hmm. back to the patient, like you were just saying, rather than putting it in the hands of the government mm-hmm. and society. Yeah. I mean, we could talk all we could talk the rest of the podcast about free will and the importance of choice, but I think that that's kind of like beating a dead horse. Yeah. But uh, I, but I will say that like there is something important there that what do you lose as a society when you remove the element of choice? One of the founding fathers said something about that, but mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly what it is, so we're going to keep going. <laughs> um, <laughs> but going back to moving on. Going back to the early scenes of the movie before all Krypton is destroyed and most of the Kryptonians with it, his mother, Cal's mother, which Cal becomes Superman later on. Clark. Clark Kent, yeah. So Cal L is his Kryptonian name. His mother, Lara L, tells him, make a better world than ours, Cal, before they send him off in this rocket ship to Earth. And then in a little bit after that, she says... He will be a god to them when he gets there. And so we have this kind of foreshadowing that he is going to be in some way uh, this kind of god figure mm-hmm. a, a little bit. And he's sent there to bring something, maybe this element of choice, maybe this element of hope yeah. to them. And then we see a little bit later as he starts to grow up and he's now living in Kansas with this. Which is like the most nondescript place. Right. You talk about, like, humble origins. You talk about, like, the Messiah being born in a manger. Like, Clark Kent was from Kansas. It was small-town Kansas. Looked Mm -hmm. a lot like small-town Iowa a little bit. It was good stuff. But his dad, his human dad, always told him that he needed to kind of protect who he was and keep it a secret because Mm -hmm. they were afraid that if he revealed who he was, then everyone would try and take him away mm-hmm. and so he said you have to keep this side of yourself a secret and then clark's response was what was i supposed to do just let them die yeah. this is after he saved some some kids from school and so we see kind of this this play at him do i reveal myself do i not reveal him reveal myself um can be kind of loosely connected to you know like the gospel of of mark a little bit where She's like, don't tell who I am yet. Mm-hmm. You know, and he tells that to everyone. Yep. Or even like the wedding at Cana. It's like, it's not yet my time. It's not yet my time. Yeah. But I think one of my favorite things in the entire movie was going back to that scene where Cal meets his father again through mm-hmm. the science little flash drive thing. He's having this conversation with his dad and his dad reveals 
the Superman outfit to him for the first time, right? And he points to the giant S on on the suit and explains that it's, it's not an S, it's the symbol of his his house family, the it's house the, of it's L. It's the crest of L, yeah. Right, and so... Which means hope. You stole it, but yes, yeah, so... He, <laughs> his sorry. Dad, no, you're good. His dad literally says, the symbol of the house of L means hope. Embodied within that hope is the belief that every person can be a force for good. And that's what you can bring to them. And he's talking about the humans. Mm -hmm. But I want to ask you this. How good is your Hebrew? What does the name El mean? (laughs) You really just called me out. I did. I don't know. So. Actually, tell me and then I'll say it and we can edit it in where I sound smart. Okay. (laughs) It's the Hebrew name for God. Oh, yeah. I actually think I did know that. If I'm not mistaken... It is the Hebrew name for God. <laughs> yes, very good. So I I love this because as soon as – I never put this together, but as soon as I heard this quote last night where, where the dad was saying, like, the house of El means hope, hmm. I was just like, ding, 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 yeah. like fireworks going off in my head because it's, it's saying, if we take this from, like, a Hebrew translation, the house of God means hope. Hmm. Mm. And we see this figure being mm. sent to earth yeah. to bring hope and choice and free will yeah. to mankind. Right. Okay. And I, I don't know if you're going to stealing this from you. Go ahead. Um, Open book. But does anyone know, I mean, do you know, I, I don't know why I'm asking because I can't hear what the people on the other side of this yeah. podcast say, but you know how uh, Superman gets his powers, right? Oh, yeah. And. I was actually going to talk about that, but go for it. Please do. Like, Superman gains his powers actually from the sun. Yeah. That all of his powers, like, he basically internalizes the light and Mm -hmm. the yellow sun. Um, Which I think has so much going on there. When we talked about last week, like, the light, that, like, he is the light. Like, he's powered by the light. Right. And then his power comes from the sun. So there's, like... You know, and if you think about, like, the sun and, like, the sun. The sun, yeah. Like, the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. Like, that, there's, like, that illusion as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just as we, as Christians, also get our our power mm-hmm. from right from the sun, from the Holy Spirit. Right, and, and they talk about that, God. like, when they would describe Mary um, as almost mm-hmm. like the moon, right? Yeah, I think we've yeah, talked yeah. about this before, because she doesn't have light on her own. She merely reflects the light of the sun, her son, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I... I love that, though, this idea that, so, his mom says, you'll be a god to them, make a better word than, world than ours. His name literally means god, and he's this male. And they actually say, do you know how old he is? Mm-mm. They say that in this movie, he's 33 years old. They have to be doing this on purpose. It that's, just seems... I think I did know that, and I think I caught that when I first watched it, but it was a while ago. Uh, it just seems like so perfect yeah you know and this idea with he gets his power from the sun he's rejected by everyone out of fear of what that means a fear that they can't control him he's literally this christ figure sent down yeah no i agree with you and then you know in in like the lore of the movie with like the corruption that comes Mm -hmm. from this and he's like the first natural born and so he, like, doesn't have this sin and corruption. Like, it's so Christ-like that it's... Right. 
Yeah, and then I think a little bit later in the movie when he actually meets his father's consciousness or intelligence again when he's taken captive Mm -hmm. by General Zod, who reverse General Zod actually escapes the prison that he was sent to when Krypton was destroyed. Mm-hmm. So we'll which talk was, about that. Yeah, which was in the... Yeah, yeah it's called the Phantom Zone. Yeah, and what's weird about the Phantom Zone, like it's so weird about the Phantom Zone, mm-hmm. is it like exists outside of time. Yeah. So it's like an eternal prison mm-hmm. because like time doesn't pass right, right in the Phantom Zone. But when Krypton was destroyed, that whatever held him there was also destroyed, and so they were released from that. But what I wanted to say is when he was captured by Zod and his minions, he actually got a chance to talk with his father again, and his father said this that I thought was interesting. You will give the people of Earth an ideal to strive towards. They will race behind you. They will stumble. They will fall. But in time, they will join you in the sun, Cal. In time, you will help them accomplish wonders. And I think that just feeds off of this whole Christ figure Mm -hmm. even more. This ideal that we strive towards, but we as humans will never actually get to. But even still, that he is still supposed to be there to guide us, to give us that hope, to give us that light, and to help us not, not make us follow him, but to help us rise above where we are as humans. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So with that... I kind of want to talk a little bit about Zod, and I think you wanted to talk about him a little bit, too. I did. So what I think is interesting is this parallel between Zod and Superman, Mm -hmm. right? In that, you know, when we think Superman, like what makes Superman super, is it his muscles and his manliness and his ability to shoot lasers from his eyes and punch really, really hard and lift heavy things? And fly. And fly. Don't forget to fly. And breathe ice breath and... Nothing can kill X-ray vision and super durability and super speed and... And so on and so on. Yeah. There's lots of powers. He has lots and lots of powers. But anyway, is that what makes Superman super? And I would would make the claim that that's not. Because General Zod has all the same powers. Right. That that is not a unique thing to Superman. It's the same reason, like, Bizarro Superman is literally Superman from another dimension that has all of the same power. He's the same person as Superman. He's just evil. And that what makes Superman Superman is his character, is his goodness, is that he is this beacon of hope despite it, right? Yes, both of his dads talk about that, but continue before I interrupt. Yeah, that Superman is super because of his goodness. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and I want to back that up because going off of what his biological father said, that he is this beacon of hope, but then also going off of what his earthly father said. Mm -hmm. Earthly father. Whoa, Joseph. (laughs) Holy cow. Yeah, his, (laughs) Yeah. his, his earthly father told him that what mattered was that when he was being bullied his earthly father was there to kind of encourage him and be with him. What mattered was his character through it all. Mm. And he stood with that over and over. Even when Cal L or at this point he was Clark Kent. He took his human name. 
when Clark was so frustrated with his dad that he basically said, like, you're, you're not my real father. And even when Clark said this, it obviously hurt the father, this human father, but he stood by that. He stood by this belief that your character needs to be what defines you. And so going back to your comparison between Zod and Superman's character. Yeah. Going off of that a little bit when you're talking about the earthly father mm-hmm. thing. Um, as I think that like that almost also like when we talk about like consequentialism and Zod who has this idea that like it's okay to kill. It's okay to murder people so that others survive. Um and in a certain sense that consequentialism you see it with the abortion debate. And I think it's really interesting that you have like that wrapped up in Zod and then Superman is literally adopted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Adopt your children. <laughs> I mean, you know. Right. I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, so we definitely see this go back and forth between them. And there's this dialogue kind of at the end of the movie mm-hmm. after Superman's basically won. Mm-hmm. Sorry to ruin it, but it's been like six years or five years. So after he's defeated everyone except for zod zod's the only one left zod's on his knees and he says i exist only to protect krypton that is the sole purpose for which i was born and every action i take no matter how violent or how cruel is for the greater good of my people and now i have no people my soul that is what you have taken from me and so we see i i talk about this all the time on air but he's placing his identity in this role that has been assigned to him mm-hmm. right rather than in who he actually is yeah uh, and because of that he feels that when that is taken from him his very soul is taken from him yeah which obviously is not true but i feel like we think that a lot of the times too when we put, place ourselves too much into something right and and honestly zod like when he says my soul is taken from me, his he lost. I mean, he lost his soul well before that. I mean, when he accepted this role and being willing to, like, do whatever means necessary, no matter how like, violent or how cruel, yeah, like that's when he lost it. Like he lost it well before. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's interesting that his mind is so warped that he's like, now I've lost it, and it's like, I mean, you've lost your will, your way well before mm-hmm. this. That's like the danger of consequentialism. And I feel like Kal-El's dad, Jor-El, actually says that in one of their conversations at some point, mm-hmm. like talking about trying to, because they were not, mm-hmm. I don't want to say they were friends, but they were like, he was the lead soldier, whereas Jor-El was the lead scientist kind of thing. So they had this mm-hmm. like, like relationship. But yeah. this idea that it's for the greater good, this yeah. excuse that, oh, well, it's best for everyone else, even though it's not right it's what's best for everyone yeah and who decides what's best for everyone what well, goes back to the beginning of the movie where well, who is the one who's going to decide what families lived and which ones died it was going to be yeah. zod yeah so it all comes back to what he decides is right this idea of relativism being mm-hmm. the answer for what's yeah. best yeah and honestly um going off tangent a little bit um something that that, that strikes me is like you're from superman lore in general is that Krypton, even before its destruction, was a very harsh place to live. 
mm-hmm. yeah. like environmentally. Yeah, they did mention that in the movie. Yeah, is that it, it's a that like it bred strong people, and that's why Superman like is so super here. It's because he got the yellow sun to feed his power, but also like the environment. Like it's a it's a less harsh atmosphere. It's a less harsh environment. Right. Um, and so to like go a different movie um, with Doomsday. I don't know it. Okay, so Doomsday is like one of the main people in Batman versus Superman. Not to ruin that for you. Okay, that's it's fine. It's not a really big reveal. No, you're good. But um, but <clears throat> what they do wrongly in that um, is they try to like portray Doomsday as something else. But Doomsday, like his original thing, and this is one of Superman's main enemies. This is actually the 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 creature that in the comics and in the lore like has kills Superman. Oh. Doomsday yeah. can't die. So he's like this genetic creature that is only built to survive. So it's written into like so he's created by a scientist that is able to write it into like whatever kills Doomsday, like he comes back to life and rewrites his DNA to where he can't die in the same way. Hmm. And so what ends up happening is Superman kills him, and then he comes back to life and kills Superman because Superman like can't kill him anymore. Mm-hmm. But I, I bring this up because he's thrown on prehistoric Krypton. Like that's where Doomsday gets developed, is like the harshest environment in all of the known universe, mm-hmm. and all of known time was prehistoric Krypton. Krypton's environment was that that harsh, and that's kind of what shaped him. <clears throat> yeah, is that harshness, and I think that there, there's something there, and just I know it's off this movie. Oh, you're fine, but it's within the lore, and I think it's it's an interesting thing, and you kind of see it in General Zod with this harshness, right? Is that when all that matters is survival, you get an actual monster like Doomsday, mm. or a monster of a man mm. like Zod. Right. When survival becomes more important than the people who are surviving. Yeah. There was a movie. I forget which movie it was. Gosh, it was years ago. But there's like one scene and like I forget what movie it is. If you guys out there remember it, please let it remind us. But there's like a scene where like two people are fighting and some. Oh, no, no, no. You know what it is? I remember what it is. I think it might have been um, actually with Walking Dead. Mm. But maybe I'm wrong. Or, um, no, I actually remember now. It is from the CW show, The 100. Oh. And they're... I've seen it, but I've heard of it. Yeah, and there's, like, a scene in there where they're talking about killing people, and one of the characters sits there and he's like, I care about the survival of our people. And, like, this other, like, the other character looks at him and is like, I care that we deserve to survive. Ooh. You know? Yeah. And it's this idea of, like, if all you care about is, like, yeah, we have to survive by doing evil things and killing all these people, then, like, you're losing more than those lives. Like, you're losing yourself. Like, you're losing Who something. Who the people are. Yeah, like, something more important. And we would argue from our previous episodes, you're actually losing the identity of those people. Mm-hmm. Um, that Yeah. And that's, and I kind of see this in Zod, that he's so concerned about the survival of his people at all costs that he's lost himself. That mm-hmm. he's lost... What it means, I mean, he's not human, but what it means to be human, what it means to, you know. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's actually pretty spot on. I definitely want to draw to, I think it's his colonel, mm. a line that she says. Mm-hmm. So she's battling with Superman 
prior to that scene that we were just talking about. And she says, she's kind of just dominating him. And she says, the fact that you possess a sense of morality and we do not gives us an evolutionary advantage. And if history has proven anything, it's that evolution always wins. And I just think this is kind of ironic because shortly after this, she loses. But I think she just has this skewed idea of evolution because she's been following Zod and she has this idea that she and he, like, their group are the most powerful. And so well, it's like strong, like survival of the strongest, right. right? But if you look at it, Cal els father was the lead scientist. He knew what it took to survive. And that's why he sent Cal to Earth. Because it wasn't domination that they needed. It was cooperation. That was the hope mm. that was at the root of this reestablishing of Krypton. It wasn't dominating this new planet so that they could basically do what they did to Krypton all over again. It was working with another planet to essentially bring the identity of the Kryptonians back, even if it meant the death of almost all the Kryptonians. Yeah. And so we see this idea that this Christ figure and science are together mm-hmm. in this belief. And it's actually this, these power hungry people who yeah. are disagreeing from that. Right. Um, and, I think that's true. and the last thing I, I want to mention, the last quote here is actually one of the human soldiers. Mm. So they're still trying to figure out is Superman good or bad we can't control him so they don't trust him right and so after this battle they're still attacking him and the bad guys they they realize that they're not doing anything but what happens is superman while these humans are trying to kill him he's saving them from the bad guys does that make sense Mm mm-hmm so he's going out of his way to save these guys as they're falling out of a helicopter or as they're about to be crushed, whatever. And so this colonel comes over. All of his soldiers have their guns pointed at at Superman. And he's just like, this man is not our enemy. And that's the first point where the army, the U.S. Army, admits that he is not the enemy. And to me, it was just this this moment of like the centurion looking up at Christ as mm-hmm. as he died and s- saying like truly this, this is, is the son of god yeah i think that you see that in who christ is that so so often you didn't like people didn't recognize him you know you see that like the woman at the well like yeah. if you knew who was asking you for water you would ask him for living water right um or you know when they're killing him like and I think about that, and I think about what Christ went through in the Passion, not just, like, physically, but just, like, emotionally and, like, his abandonment and his loneliness, you mm-hmm. know? That, you know, he's like, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what to do. Like, that he still does that. And then, like, and this, and I think this is this is funny, too, is, like, the last time Christ sees his disciples, besides John and, I guess, Mary, is prior to the resurrection yeah like prior to the resurrection like last time he sees them before his his crucifixion is 
um, them falling asleep when he asked them to stay awake and then running away mm-hmm. and like denying him. And then he dies and he comes back and he just like walks in. And the first thing he says is peace be with you. <laughs> and I'm like, there are so many, like if I were him, like there were so many other things that I would have wanted, like that I would have said. Come on, guys. <laughs> like, like, I'd have been like, really, y'all? You know, but like, no, he's, he you is. one job. He says, peace be with you. Then he looks at Peter, who, let's, like, keep this in mind, was the Pope at this point. Like, P- like we don't always talk about this, but Peter was the Pope when he denied Christ. Mm-hmm. The church was established at Passover, at the Last Supper. Like, that's when the, like, the, the high priest prayers are said, ordaining other priests. Like, he was the Pope when he said, I, I don't know Jesus. Right. Which is, like, bold. But Jesus' first thing is to go up to him and says, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Which is three times. For the three times. For the three times. Like, it is this just love and mercy and love and mercy for every offense. And you see that kind of what Superman's doing, Mm -hmm. right? Is this, they're, like, giving offense, like, throwing offenses at me, like, they're shooting me, like, they're attacking me, but yet I will save them. Mm -hmm. That Christ was like, they are spitting at me, they are scourging me, they are ridiculing me, yet I will save them. Yeah. I think that's, that's it. That's Christ. Cool. That's Superman. Super Christ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds only slightly heretical. Um, <laughs> heretical, sacrilegious. What it, I hear you. I hear you. But, but I will say that that, I mean, ultimately, like, the parts that make Superman so super, as I mentioned before, is, like, that character. Because, like, Superman's always this, like, sign of hope, and he's, like, always wanting to do the right thing. He's the ideal. That he is, like morally a superman which i think is more important than all of his powers combined mm-hmm. so that's challenge. that's what we got for you guys do you have a challenge i did not think of a challenge to be honest i was kind of hoping something would come up do you have something i think so okay go i think that in a lot of ways superman is so idealistic because or we idealize him so much because of his character right and his willingness to do the right thing and his Mm -hmm. willingness to act on that conviction Mm -hmm. and so i think for my challenge this week is to recognize that and to try to use the power of the sun not like superman where you're actually absorbing getting superpowers adoration yes adoration going to adoration but allowing yourself to soak up that power of the sun, and then being able to turn back around, go out and act with that. And I'm going to add, uh, within that, recognize where mm-hmm. there is hope in your yeah. life. Yeah. Right, so I want you to physically, not physically, but like actually name places mm-hmm. in your life. Let's say at least three places right. in your life where you see this brings me hope mm-hmm. right here. So that's my challenge. Right. Bring yeah. that to, to prayer and adoration and then bring that out into your life. Yeah. Be that and, hope. And that's and that's what I was going to say is to to be like Superman and be like Christ and that you are bringing hope to others. Like go out there and act and bring hope to the world. Yeah. Shout outs. 
Yeah, so my shout out is for Kat, the one who suggested this. So I forgot that we, yeah. Yeah, so thank you, Kat, for suggesting this. I concede you win. This was a fantastic movie, and I will rethink my DC versus Marvel opinion. Yep. Thank you, Kat, for, um, you know, bringing the light to, <laughs> to our Clint. <laughs> um, I'm, and I'm not dissing Marvel movies. They're great. Yeah, we've done but, plenty on here. But I think there's some, some, some good stuff in DC that people just hate on for no reason. So. Yeah. So my apologies. With that, guys, uh, let us know if you like Cat. Let us know if there's anything you'd like us to do something on, and we will take a look and do it. And we really, really appreciate all that you do, and just keep in contact with us. And thanks for joining us for the adventure. We'll see you next time.